Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hall of Fame night. That's why I'm dressed up a little bit. You look dapper. And you guys are just absolutely clueless. You're looking at me walking in. What are you all dressed up for? I thought maybe you were up for a job. You're the new <laughs> Leafs president or something. I wasn't sure. Still not ruling that out. So for the record, I invited both of you to come with me <laughs> to hang out at the hall tonight yeah. for the 2022 class. Mm-hmm. Justin, you tell you told me I gotta watch the kids tonight. Legit. <laughs> Sammy says, um, "No, I hate the Sedine twins." <laughs> that was it. That was really surprising. That was it to be that direct about it. Uh, I think it's the no, Leafs fan. Thing. I'm not going. I'm not a big fan of the Sedine twins. I was really it's harsh. Legitimately, three of my least favorite players. <laughs> 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 You know, this is where I know that there's a very good chance 40 years from now, Sammy's still in that chair. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult, a compliment. I'm not sure what's happening here. It could be a compliment. It could be an insult. But he's not interested in going to the Hall of Fame and doing any networking, no. meeting anybody that can give him a better job than... Putting up with us two schmucks. This is maybe his most endearing quality is he has no desire to do no, anything but none, just none. talking with the Leafs. He ain't climbing any ladder. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty. If someone puts a step stool right? there, he'll take it, to, but he's not. So to be fair here to myself, I was asked the one day, and then it was never brought back up again. There was no press. It was like, it was almost as if Kipper was like, oh, thank God he doesn't want to go. So I, <laughs> a courtesy invite? He's like, oh, Sammy, my God. would, would you been, like to go? I would have been stuck down there with that schlub. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not begging you. <laughs> I, I, listen, you got one crack at it. Uh, one crack, and you, you blew me off like yesterday's newspaper. Uh, and that was it. Yeah. Well, my wife, Allie, be really pissed off about this because she's like, Scram, beat it. Like, you have to go. You have to go. And I just like forgot See, about it until right it's now. It's always the drive from the wife that wants She is the better. She wants Sammy climbing up that ladder I was just speaking of moments ago. He doesn't even see the ladder. She's just Nothing. trying to aim him at it. <laughs> Nothing. Now uh, she's going to, she's either listening right now or someone's going to get to her and say, why would Sammy pass on going to the hospital? <laughs> Hockey Hall of Fame and seeing all those heroes and, and maybe meeting somebody that can get him a better job than that crappy one at Real Kipper and Bourne. Oh, I love you guys. Made me feel good on a Monday. All right. We are Monday and we are the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, producer Sammy McKee, who's got better things to do than hang out with me at the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're glad you're aboard wherever you're watching, listening, YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now, iTunes, Spotify. We're glad you're aboard here. Plenty to get into, including uh, the split on the weekend against uh, Pittsburgh and Vancouver for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but out of the gate, uh, I, I got to say that, uh, you know, I've gone to a, a lot of games uh, as a broadcaster, but I, I don't think I've ever been as choked up as I was on Friday night, we know mm-hmm. uh, the great Boreas Salming uh, 
was honored on the weekend. And, you know, first of all, uh, kudos for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who I thought did it right for him. Yeah. And that, unfortunately, isn't always the case, when it, especially when you compare it to stuff like out of the Montreal uh, Canadian organization. Granted, they've got all those Stanley Cups, and uh, and the Leafs don't, yep. which plays a part of it. And the other one is they're probably just better at doing that stuff overall than the Leafs have in the past. Yeah, maybe more connected to history. Maybe, yeah. And uh, I, I thought they did a, a heck of a job. And, and, and Boria is as close uh, for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of Leaf fans in my generation that, that remember mm-hmm. and, and watched him and, and knew what he had to endure to uh, gain respect in the National Hockey League. Uh, and uh, it was... Uh, it was gut-wrenching mm-hmm. to, to see my heroes on the ice Friday night. I was fortunate enough to have been invited into the alumni box and uh, with a lot of my uh, fellow alumni to watch uh, Daryl and Matt uh, beside him and, and watch that raw emotion. Yeah. Uh, uh, brought us all to our knees. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that was the... Hardest part, or certainly a contributing factor to the, the making it a challenge to watch, was watching the people closest to him have such visceral reactions to the experience. But I thought really meaningful to give that to Boria for him to get to see that and um, you know and, and feel that love. You know, see all the Swedish players start for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which was I thought was just a wonderful gesture um, by them to be connected to the night and not separate from it. And then, you know, to show current players that, you know, if you matter to the people and give your all for the people for long enough, people love you. They don't forget. And actually, we do have a clip on that, I think. Do we not, Sammy? We do. Austin Matthews got asked about it after the game on, well, on, after Saturday night when they did the ceremony for specifically Borea, which that one, that I didn't see it because I was at a wedding on Friday, so I didn't see that one on Friday night, but I saw the one on Saturday night and... I was feeling the exact same way as you guys. That was a very, very, very emotional thing for everyone. And I haven't talked to anybody who hasn't had that reaction. Right. Every single person that you talk to has had the exact same reaction about it. So, do you want to hear Matthews on it? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do that, and then we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, then we'll uh, we'll move on because we got Tiger Williams in about uh, forty minutes, and of course, uh, Tiger, a teammate of Borja Salming, uh, who watched uh, a lot of the battles that he had, uh, gaining that that respect. Uh, that we saw on the weekend. He's going to come by and talk about playing with Boria and the emotion of Saturday night. But we'll go to Austin uh, just to kind of close out this early segment. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that kind of stuff really, really kind of hits you hard. So, um, you know, I think for us, though, to just see, uh, you know, how a guy like Boria was embraced uh, by the fans and just what he did for this organization and his time here and what he still means to this city. So, um, you know, I think it puts a lot of things into perspective for us as players playing here and, um, you know, to have uh, guys like him and others that have kind of paved the way for us, uh, it means a lot. And I think, um, you know, you could just see it and feel it in the, in the atmosphere in the crowd tonight when they, um, you know, were presenting him and, and showing the video and everything. So, um, you know, a, bit, a little bit emotional, but obviously... Um, you know, very well, uh, well deserved. Okay, and as I said, Tiger Williams is going to join us, and and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh, Boria's uh, special uh, weekend uh, leading into tonight's uh, festivities at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, as far as uh, the Leafs are concerned, uh, we saw that split on the weekend, and we'll get into that for sure. But 
I think um, moments ago, or at least uh, maybe about half an hour ago, we heard from uh, general manager um, Kyle Dubas uh, that uh, I don't know if it Ooh. was a, a last-minute decision to speak today to the media, but uh, I, I found it really interesting, uh, JB, that uh, he chose to speak, and I think the majority of it was around uh, uh, the update the injury update status of Jake Muzzin, mm-hmm. who will not be available probably till at least being uh, reevaluated in the new year. And I think they were talking about March. Yeah. Um, but before we get into any of our Kippers Clippers uh, with, with Kyle, just your thoughts, because, you know, on the other side of the country, we hear <laughs> Jimmy Rutherford uh Talking time and time again, assessing his uh, his team, <laughs> assessing yeah, assessing <laughs> his his organization, and yet we haven't heard from Brendan Shanahan, and we didn't hear from Kyle Dubas at probably at, at times when people were saying, okay, let's let's we want to get your thoughts. They chose not to, and then today Kyle kind of snuck that in today. And I think he's been walking by the media like Ace Ventura with a palm frond until he passed Mr. Shikadance for the, you know, <laughs> I think the media just found him eventually. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think you look at the schedule. Part of the reason he's speaking now is what, what do they have, nine of their last 12 points? Like they, they've, you know, they get a win on Saturday night, and you know, a comeback win on Hockey Night in Canada. They handle Boston, Carolina, and Vegas pretty well. I think now's the time. I bet if you're Dubas it's a lot easier to come out now and say, this is a good window. There's a lot of positivity and things to build on. It's easier to talk now. So I think the timing is smart. There's some really good PR being done, and, I think, by them. And also the, the the injury updates with the significant one to a significant part of their leadership core in Muzzin. To, to, for like him to be, able, speak. be able to come out and kind of address that, talk about Brody, who's going to be out for a couple of weeks with an oblique, similar to John Tavares' issue earlier in the year. But yeah, it's not lost on me, the timing. Do no you, uh, you know, because he spoke a little later this afternoon, I'm not even sure what you clipped, Sammy. So do we have one on Jake Muzzin at all, or did you just no, kind of bypass I, that? Yeah, it was just basically him saying that everything we just said. There was nothing too serious in it. But the other stuff that we have in the lineup is pretty interesting. Well, and I wonder if uh, if it kind of cut off guard, you know, a lot of people in the media. Um, but they did have enough time to ask him about Sheldon Keefe. Interesting enough, they didn't ask him about his contract at all. Right. Which I found really, do you think? It sounds like you really like this guy. Wouldn't you want to keep him employed? (laughs) You you think maybe that was like, don't ask him about his contract. He won't answer it kind of thing. That that wouldn't happen to such an astute media division as the followers of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, and the surprise PR is probably not a bad move either, right? Like, don't give them two days to prep and think about things. Just, hey, Kyle's going to talk in 20 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't even 20 minutes. It was like, Kyle's going to talk in a minute here. Yeah, he came yeah. out. So, I, yeah. Okay. They, the, me and Kipper were listening to it. I know both of us were talking. We're like, Are, is someone going to ask Kyle Dubas about a potential contract extension? No, not, not it didn't come. He had more questions about Shulgren than he did about his contract extension okay so. so he did address uh sheldon keith his head coach uh he addressed the d matt murray uh but let's start on his assessment of a somewhat rocky start to the national hockey league season for him uh i mean i i, I kind of i mean it, it it may come off as strange but i i 
personally, I think going through these types of um, things, whether it's injury, whether it's poor play uh, that results in some consternation about, you know, where we're at, I, I think it's, it's for me, as the in my role with the team, Mark, I think it's a very positive thing. You learn a lot about the people that you're with day in and day out. Uh, you learn who can handle it, who may not be able to. And I, I think, you know, coming back off that Western road trip where we, where we did not play well uh, I thought our guys did an excellent job here the whole week at home uh, in getting ready to roll and and putting together three you know a really good week and then last week you know on the Saturday night going into the second period we're down again and rather than let that start to snowball they they dig in and, and find their way so that to me is is very encouraging I, I think if you look around the league it's it's so close right now and there's maybe three four teams that would be really happy with the way that they've started unequivocally and others that are are you know have been a bit up and down but to me it's 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 good to see that because it's at some point in the year you want to know uh will your team be able to handle it and how do they handle it and we'll have more of it but for for us it's when it does happen are we able to find our way through it and and come out the other side pretty positive spin yeah, I'd say spin for sure. Spin, spin, really good spin is anytime your team struggles to say, I think it's good because we learn a lot about our people in the difficult moments. And fair enough, you know. Uh, you want- are, you, are you there? Yeah, you- uh, anytime, everything's great. <laughs> anytime there's uh, a mention of uh, battling adversity, which yeah. he's talking about, didn't, didn't necessarily use the word adversity, uh, but that's what we're talking about early in this season. Yeah. Uh, have they passed uh, any smell test for you when it comes to adversity at this point? Some, you know, just because it started, were they at 500 after that West Coast yeah. road trip? Blue, they yeah. played terribly against teams they should have yeah. beat. So there is the adversity of you can let it go in that direction and fire the coach and blame each other, or you can just yeah. start playing better. And to me, they did dig in a little bit after that, so give them some credit. Here's the A delir- little bit and some. Yeah, and here's where I'll be critical of it is, you know, you learn a lot about your team. It's the same team! The same team you've had for five years. Uh, the core they, is the I, same. I don't, That's yeah, what we're trying core, to learn about. Yeah, the core is. But so what, you learned about Cali Yarncroft this weekend? Yeah, cores don't win you Stanley Cups. What teams, kind of statement is that? Teams win you Stanley Cup. They did change. They changed their team. They did. Cores win you Stanley Cups. Come on. No, teams. All teams. Right. Okay. Four lines. So you think seven he's defense, learned something from these games eight, that he didn't know already? Seven defense, eight defense win you Stanley Cups. Guys that What's can Matt come Hollowell out. <laughs> on the depth chart? Okay, so, where did Matt... Hold Mac, on for a second. No, Matt's been I around. Thought, he's been around. S- Sammy does uh, our... Uh, what do you call it? Lineup. Lineup yep. itinerary. I don't yep. know what it is. And he's got on itinerary. the bottom Hollowell. And I'm like... What's been, a hollow well? He's been around. You know, has he? Yeah, well, he played for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds I, I, I for five no years. He's a former Sault Ste. Marie yeah. kid. He uh, was with the team when Joe Thornton was here a little bit because I remember Instagram pictures. But, like, you know, they they got Dahlstrom is hurt, who was supposed to be a guy they call up. Yeah. Crawl's been in games. He's hurt. He's not involved. Mete's hurt. He's not, you know, they're, they're pretty far down here. We're looking at number 10. You know, the first thing I did when I saw his name and I've never seen him before, never heard of him before. Okay. What's the first thing I did? Google? Yes. But what specifically was I looking at? Height. How to spell his name? No. Height? Yeah. How, how, <laughs> big, how big is he? Yeah, not big. How big is Hollowell? He's lean, right? I can say he's like five. No, he's eight, five, nine. No, he's way bigger than that. Is he? No. What do you mean, no? 
five nine. Yeah, I thought so. Which means no. he's really like five eight or five seven and a half. He's not that. He's smart. he's five nine one seventy. Five nine. Another <laughs> all little right. guy. All right, all right. Just saying. Not saying. Just I saying. think they they got to get bigger. Yes, they got to get bigger. They need someone like a Jordy Ben. Jordy right. Ben, what a star. Um, we'll get there. We'll get we'll there. Get Let's there. work to the, the yeah, Dubas we'll clips. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so I I get the spin on uh, some, how do you, you phrase it? Uh, some things I like or some things are getting better. Yeah, well, a little, you learn you a, little, a little. Yeah. A little? Yeah. Is it, is it, uh, is it still too early to assess that uh, if, if they've learned anything from the adversity so far? Are, are you? Are you yeah. past that? No, it, it's not too. Or sorry, it is. What am I trying to say? Is it still They've been through this before. They've been through this before, where they embarrass themselves against teams they should beat, and then they come back and they play good against good teams, and we go, ah, they figured it out, okay. and then they play a bad team and show us they haven't learned. So I'm not. So it's jury still out. Yes, I'm not okay. reaching a conclusion. I, I agree. It can't be like, oh, it's good when there's adversity. There's been adversity for five years, and they're good and they in have the it, adversity. Yeah, if, within the regular season, right. But the most important time of the year. But the regular season right now is even coming through the weekend, the optics are they're a middle-of-the-pack team so far. They're not – they haven't shown elite status, which we had them – Goal differential of plus one. Of of, of the season. We we had them as as one of the top six teams that was, if not – Challenge for the Atlantic Division could even end up with the most points at the end of it mm-hmm. for a President's Trophy. No signs of that. Today, they are a 500 hockey club, which well, everybody is. I mean, they're better than 500. They're eight, five, and three or something right now. They're see. This is where they've exactly they've got they're exactly 500. They have eight you, wins and eight losses. This is this is where you look at the eight, five, and three and go, ooh, you know. Yeah. And it's like, no, they're 500. They've won eight out of 16 starts. That is, and they've tied a 500 three of them. team, which puts them amongst 15 teams right yeah. now, where yeah. you're one game above 500. Or a game or, or two below 500. Here's yes. what's a, a, in the Atlantic Division. Here's the wins by teams. Boston, 14. Toronto, 8. Tampa, 8. Florida, 8. Detroit, 7. Montreal, 8. Buffalo, 7. Ottawa, 5. So it's like all these teams are within yep. one win of each other. Yep. So up until now, we're, we're dealing with a 500 hockey club. Sure. Which I, I think... I'm going to allow that and not dig in because it is, they're not, but okay. There's three ties then. What are the three ties? If we're, is it a win if you win in overtime? That counts as a win, but it's not. If they, if they were still a tie, would that make you feel better if there was a tie column? Yes. Yeah, bring back ties. Would they still be a 500 team if there was a tie column? They'd, be, they'd have eight wins and 16 is your point? Yes. Okay. If all you care about is the wins, sure. Yes. They've, okay. only, they, so, they've only lost so give five me times. all the credit, not some of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Okay, so uh, on top of that, then we, we move into his comments on his head coach, which yeah. I think maybe maybe kind of speaking to your point earlier about the timing of his voluntarily volu- uh, volunteering uh, himself up to 
speak to the media today. Yeah. Let's have a listen. Okay. I think uh, oftentimes, Luke, when when um, people view that, they they see him, you know, whether it's you know getting upset at the officials or or you know voicing his concern about um, you know certain. Uh, certain players or certain groups of players on the team and take it to to mean that there's a a, a bit of a um, kind of coming uh, unglued type uh, way about it but to me uh, the way he's handled it is, is everything is done with a purpose there's never anything about him that isn't purposeful um, and I think in, in my time knowing him and working with him when things aren't uh, necessarily perfect he's finds a way to be at his best and get uh, the most out of the group and I, I think the thing for me uh, about Sheldon that's always been most encouraging and working with him is uh, even as we've gone through this season where we've had different stretches where we haven't played uh, as well the group responds to him so Saturday night would be another example of that um, you know after the first period after the road trip out to uh, California where we didn't have a strong finish of the trip whatsoever um, you know we come back home and, and we're able to find our game again and I think that to me represents the way that the that the players respond to the, to the coach and it's always very encouraging for me to see because he's always adapting and always trying to change the way that he does things to make sure that he's always getting through to the group and we obviously have a much bigger things we want to accomplish than coming through these bad stretches uh, but to me it's a strong indicator of, of the fact that the group is still responsive to uh, to him very much so and, and are willing to, to play for him when things are uh, when things aren't aren't going necessarily well so very encouraged and there you have it that's quite possibly the the gist of him coming out to remind people that his head coach has not lost the room mm-hmm I think that's definitely a part of what he wanted to do there for sure. And to, to reiterate, you know, more than I have the coaches back to drive it home that the players have the coaches back. That's the point he wants to make, right? Which is the one that we all say, well, the players, I don't know. I mean, that's to our point where up until now we've seen them win eight wins out of 16. I'm not sure the players have his back yet. No, that's true. I, I what did you see Saturday night in that first period that suggests that uh, Kyle's right that uh, Sheldon finds a way to get the most mm-hmm. out of his players when in, in situations like this? Because all I've seen up until now is that Sheldon's found a way to just get enough out of them, mm-hmm. and I don't see most. I see just enough. You know, I thought they had a better first period than a lot of what I've read about. Like, they had a lot of chances. There's the Matthews breakaway, the Mulligan breakaway. Like, they had chances to score and didn't score. You're down 2 to Vancouver. One of the worst, worst teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? but that's on not the reality night. of the play. It, on it, an emotional You night. want more, and they didn't roll over on said emotional yeah. night. You know, I, I, I don't know that I feel like the first period they came out flat. I thought it was an okay but first whatever. Can I ask you guys a question? If they had have lost to Vancouver, they don't come back. I think it's a big deal. We're having the hot seat conversation today again. I don't know. Yeah. No, we are. No, no, 100%. no, no. Hundred, he is bang on. Yeah. You lose to Pitt and you lose to Vancouver on a game that you should not just win, but yeah. in my opinion, like dominate like the team that we we talked about you leading the league in points yeah. this season. I guess you can't be you know, super critical of the roster and say the coach should get more out of them. You know, it's either the roster's not good enough and the coach is doing a good job getting them to yeah. second in the division right now and whatever, or the roster is good and Dubas is doing a really good job and and Sheldon's letting you down. 
because you don't get to where they're at over the past few years and this year's if they're both failing. So somewhere we have to decide, you know, where yeah. to allocate. Or, or, or Sheldon's coaching differently than he did the last few years. And do you think that's the case? Yeah, I do. In, yeah. what, in, in what case? They what? don't, uh, they don't uh, dominate, uh, they don't dominate uh, with puck possession, in my opinion. And you think they I'm still seeing, have the players to do I, it the way they did in previous years? Well, with certain guys, absolutely. Yeah. And, or, or maybe they don't. Maybe I, I'm giving them too credit for being skilled when only we're talking about four yeah. guys being skilled. And I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. Okay. They're not the same team they've been. They're, they're not playing like the same team. No. There is not. You see it. There were there, flashes there were times in the when second half. There, there were times, okay, they, they to me now look more like Babcock's team dummied down statistically you're correct for sure then then the early part of sheldon's run yeah where sheldon said we are this skilled team we do you remember the 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 regroups oh god remember, a few years ago pierre engel didn't dump a puck in for a year and a half regroup <laughs> just turn, turn, it around. Turn, turn around turn around come yeah. back let the guys come back curl pick it up skate it a thousand miles over the blue line have this team backpedaling. We don't see any of that. You know what they do that Babs did? Stretch passes. Tip it in. No. Dump and chase. It. Yeah. Dump and chase. Stretch, dump and chase. Yeah. That's what I see. And what I see most often than not is the dump in and then the dumps out. They don't have, they don't have a team that can go get those pucks anymore. I do like, think that's a failing of, of the roster right now. They don't have McKay. The they roster. don't have Hyman. They yeah. don't have, but, you know, whoever you think is a good forechecker here, they, they need some forechecking. Don't, they don't look like a team that you're saying, man, they, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of skill. The thing is, in the second half against Vancouver, in the second period in particular, you can see what it looks like when guys aren't, when guys are up to their potential. When Pierre Engvall, maybe his best game of the season, when he's, you know, skating around, hanging onto the puck. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Th- that line can do it. You change up uh, Matthews okay. and Marner, and all of a sudden the Matthews line and the Marner so, line can so, do it. So if you're Kyle or Brendan, do you go straight to Sheldon and say, oh, okay, where's he been for 15 games? Or do you just yeah. go to Engvall right to his face and skip Sheldon and go, okay, now you show up Great 15 question. games later? So which one is it for you? I think it's... On Engvall, because I think it's like trying to motivate an English bulldog on a walk who doesn't want to walk. He just sits down sometimes, and you're like, go! Yeah, that's where we disagree. (laughs) You think it's on the coach to find a way? Your job is to squeeze that out of him. That's your job. But he does that with him. He, well, he publicly he berates publicly him, but maybe that's him, not the answer. Down. Listen, I'm not... I'm he not, does it all the time. I, I don't care how you get there. I don't just care whether you want... like. You know, in a perfect world, I hope it would be behind scenes. But if if he needs to publicly call him out, it's been done before. But I don't care how you do it. I only care that you do it. And that falls yeah. on your head coach. Your job is to get them ready. It, you're right. You're right that certainly it, it's not like every person is unmotivatable. You know, like there's there's a way to get through to everyone and finding that way can be a challenge. And gosh, if Engvall, you know, what do you do with someone who does, you know, in the NHL yeah. who is not, 
Stanley Cup obsessed. And I'm not saying that's Engvall's yeah. case because I don't know. I'm just saying there are people yeah. in the NHL who would like to earn an NHL salary, be fairly well-known, do okay with, you know, other people think you're popular yeah. and cool. It's not hard. It's not really hard. Just take it away from them. Or you get rid of them. <laughs> you punt them. Yeah, okay. That's it. But you can't anymore because you've got this stupid locked-in salary cap. It is does make things challenging. The stats do show that that's the way okay it usually works in life, right? Yeah. You deliver, you get to stay. Mm-hmm. You don't deliver, we'll find somebody else that can. Yeah, I know. All right, let's go through the rest of these clips. Kyle Dubas on his decor. I think we're always looking to improve the team if we can, Kevin, but... I think right now in the, in the short run, it's a great chance for us to really learn. We've got some young defensemen that, that um, have earned um, more opportunity in both Timothy and Rasmus, so to see how much they can handle um, and whether they can, with the increased opportunity, continue to elevate themselves as they each have in their respective starts of their careers with us. So that'll be step one. Step two will be then um, identifying whether even even if they elevate themselves, whether it's going to be enough to help us really accomplish what we want to accomplish and then um, evaluate the trade market and go from there. So usual course, but not in any real hurry to to fill it because we want to really see what, what these guys bring. And, you know, when Jake got hurt last year, the first time in St. Louis and then again in Montreal, we, we didn't have Mark Giordano then either. So we have Gio here now who, who adds that sort of veteran stability. Um, but... Um, I think as we go through the year, we'll be really closely evaluating how we go. We've also got uh, Dahlstrom, who, who's a, a, an excellent depth guy for us, who's out for the year as well. So it's, it's um, you know, he's down and then and Muzz will be, you know, until at, at least, you know, March if, he, if, if, there, is a, if there is a return. So um, it's an area that we'll be on the lookout for and, and go through it. But our first step here will be to allow our young people to, to try to thrive. You know what Kyle Dubas is excellent at doing tell me he answers the question and he throws in the guy's name i know i was gonna say that. you know <laughs> kevin such an effort to make you think he's connecting with you you know you, you know, know who luke a great question luke who invited invented that who's that in toronto sports dwayne casey dwayne oh, yeah? casey was the king of that well i'm, I'm telling you he did it every it time is, he did an interview he would it makes a difference big time like i'm thinking about burying your ass that's that's PR worst trades ever i don't like you here anymore and it's like ooh personal connection said my name it's like <laughs> me first time i'm starting in the nhl i'm in pittsburgh i hear mario lemieux hey kiprios you suck why don't you go back to the minors go back to hershey where you belong i skate back to my bench I, hear, I tell the boys, you see that? Mario knows my name. <laughs> I'm doing something right. You hear Mario? Ma- does Mario Lavino know your name? He knows my name. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all that matters. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's all the media says. Yeah. Right? No, that's it. Luke, he said my name. Luke. You, you know, Nick, if every time you spoke, I said, you know, Nick, that's an interesting point. Exactly. Well, <laughs> now I'm saying You take it easy on you're me. You're not that bad of a guy anymore. <laughs> Dwayne Casey's one of the most beloved media by the media guys in yeah. the history of this city and probably a lot of it has to do with that yes i do think that it is a personal touch that people appreciate no there, doubt. there's heavy pr coaching going on big here. time so yeah. what do you think about the Lilligren and sandine you know running with it here and seeing what they got i don't hate the idea are they good enough to be like yeah we'll see you know down the road here 
I, I don't hate the idea of being like, let's play 20 hockey games, giving them more than we think they can handle and see if we're wrong on one of them. I don't hate that. Still defensive issues, guys, for me. And I can't. people got excited about Jordy Ben. And don't do that, people. Well, yeah. I mean, during the regular season, no, he's a nice player no, to listen. have as a depth guy. Nice to have a butcher it's in there. So just, just keep it reasonable. It's just a reminder that big and strong is important. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where Jordan Ben is right now. If he's a, a sixth, seventh, or eighth defenseman on a, on a good team. Yeah. But right now he's needed desperately. Yeah, I think if he's got to play two games for you in the cup final, you might survive. I think if he's got to play seven do, and play 18 minutes, you're losing. Do, do I want to go into a potential first round against Boston with Lilligren and well, Sandine how about Riley and playing, ben is a pair? playing 16, 18 minutes a night? Probably not. No, I don't. I'd no. Like, I'd like to go into a pub with Jordy Ben. Yes, high beer ability, which is I yeah. used to write articles for the score ranking did, NHL players' beer ability. He did you get a the Jor- the Did list. you get a Jordy Ben we, uh, we got one Clippers on a, Clipper? Yeah, we got one on his goal. Let's hear it. Yeah, the puck just started coming up the wall. Um, I saw Mo start sliding, so I wanted to slide in, and just so happened to end up in front of the net, popped her in. <laughs> What's the emotion like after that? We saw your reaction, obviously. I mean, it doesn't happen too often, so I don't really know what to do. <laughs> but thank God Maddie came, and I was just like, all right, here's a hug. <laughs> all right, but speaking of your ability, before we do that, did you hear the uh, Jordy Bannon getting hurt in camp, what he had to say about that? High beer ability guy. Can we listen to that clip? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but shit happens. He's <laughs> just like, he's a guy. He's like, yeah, what? He's straightforward, black and white, north-south. Yeah. Happens. But just pull up our... I got to get in trouble. I forgot to beep that one. Oopsies. <laughs> pull up our Nick Robertson where we you know, don't get easy on the excitement here and don't make him out to be anything more than he really is. Now the news comes out that uh, Brody is out two weeks, guys. At least. At least. Is that with right? Oblique. Yeah, two oblique. weeks. I didn't see a time with frame. With oblique. oblique IR. Is that not the same thing that uh, JT mm-hmm. had? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Should we revisit the summer program, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Mixing some side planks. <laughs> <laughs> well, <not good. laughs> you know, the... How about just a normal, like, grade seven sit-up? You know, I think a really good thing, though, is that it didn't happen on, like, an incident. He was in warm-up. Like, it's just clearly bugging him. Give him a couple weeks in November, you know, without it being a big but, deal. I mean, he's their best defenseman. He is their, yeah. If you're going into a playoff series and... and he's sit, their number one guy, and they're playing their Riley? HL goalie, and they're playing two guys that they're just... Just see if we can get through it with these guys. It's like, you sure it's you're that good? To just, yeah. No, you sure <laughs> you're just that good to be able to do all these things? What do you expect from Sandine and Lilligren over the next two weeks if they play 15, 16 minutes together as a pair? Lots of events. Events. Yeah, I, I think it'll be uh, eventful. <laughs> I think you're right both ways. Yeah. Well, what's uh... They got to be, come on, they got to be searching high and low right now just to try to stabilize it a little bit here. Yeah. I just don't they're, know who you can get. They're just, again, with, with, with Jordy Ben, with his 
reputation and what we saw Saturday night, I think it's it's glaring what's missing. And Ben will never be anywhere near Jake Muzzin when Jake's at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. But you got to find something here because that 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 defensive core right now cannot take a, a, a big physical forecheck. They can't. You know, I, I, he didn't look very good Saturday night, but like with the Canucks trade, you Luke Shen, you know, a guy who, I don't know, just like someone who can do that sort of role, muck it up. Like Morgan Riley typically plays better with someone who just lets him play. He knew he's not great with a Timothy Lilligren. He's better with a Ilya Labushkin, Ron Hainsey, those guys. I don't know. I know they put Ben with them last game. They seem to like someone steadying with Morgan Riley. I don't know where you can find that or how, but seems to like that. Okay, and the other thing, when I saw your lineup, Sammy, when you saw we put uh, Howellwell yeah. uh, at the bottom, I the first thing I did before I looked up, you know how big he was, was he he looked like a goalie to me because you always put the goalies at the bottom. Oh yeah, but he's not a goalie. No, there's which, so much means there's so much indecision at practice with the goalies today that they didn't even list. Them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we we are gonna see Matt Murray Tuesday night. But we that's should play both clips. That's funny. Be a given. I, I don't. Matt know. didn't think so. Do you well, want, let's have a listen. Let's listen to Matt, Matt Murray first. on uh, when he's ready. If he taps you on the shoulder, do you feel like you're at a point where you, you could return? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm taking things one day at a time right now. So, again, I'm not going to make any comments on, uh, on the lineup. That's that's not my place. That would be coach's, uh, coach's job. Yeah, he's saying I'm playing, but I can't tell you. And then they asked the coach about it. Would you like to hear that? Yes. Who's playing goal tomorrow? Uh, Matt Murray, though, you know, that's, that's the plan. He's been preparing for that. I haven't spoken to anybody uh, since practice ended, but uh, based on what I observed in practice, he very much looks ready to go. See, this is the way it works what, uh, there. Yes, he's playing. Please. Yeah, he's playing, but I haven't, I, haven't talked to, I haven't talked to the sleep doctor. The sleep doctor hasn't talked to the, 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 the chef. The chef hasn't talked to, you know... Yeah, uh, I don't know. The Zamboni driver. It's like a scavenger hunt of signatures you need to get throughout the building. They're like, we're just, yeah, just waiting on the final sign-off from the chief CEO of left-handed gingers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's I don't know. Amazing. Do we have, uh, can you draw up real quick on your little magic fingers on Google, like uh, the Leafs record in Pittsburgh? Why do I think it's been a very tough place for them to play over the years? Um, I can tell you without looking. Yeah, they lose a lot there. You know, (laughs) anecdotally, in my mind of watching Leafs games every year, they get the the doors blown off there. Is that a good start for Matt Murray? Well, let's not forget that's where he won his cups. He's from there. That's he's got big emotional ties to that franchise too. I can play that card. I got no problem. If uh, I need to find a reason, that's that seems to be a good reason. Yeah, just he's ready. Put him in the net. You know, I say this to Sam. I do feel like there's this shift of protectionism for players, as there should be, because a lot of times guys are thrown to the wolves and shoot out and spat out. Um, But, you know, you talk about confidence, and we want him to be confident when he's coming back from his injury and feel like he's in a good place and mentally yada yada. You know what I find mentally really helps is doing a thing and then going, okay, I did it. You know, like I can do it again or I can't and I need to adjust this. you got to start playing. So, like, to me, it's like the second he's able to put him in the net. Let's You get your confidence from playing uh, the great Mike Babcock. You say you earn your confidence. Your coach doesn't give you confidence. You're 
whoever, you know, goalie coach doesn't, you earn your confidence. So put him in the net. Sounds like a smart guy, this guy, Babcock. Babs had some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> he had some good ideas. Okay, we didn't even get, oh no, my we gosh, got, there's so much. We, got, we didn't even we get to uh, switching the lines, what you thought of. Uh, We're going to, we, we have will. to get that. We'll, we'll get more, but you know, uh, guy that uh, I grew up watching, Tiger Williams, all-time leader in penalty minutes. Wow. We're going to get his thoughts on Legend. this weekend. Uh, after the break, you're not going to want to miss, miss that at all. Okay, so real more real Kipper and Bourne coming up after the break. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. As we mentioned at the top of the show, big night, Hall of Fame induction, bigger night for the Toronto Maple Leafs, big big weekend, emotional one, and here to touch on that is the all-time penalty minute leader in the National <clears throat> Hockey League, Dave Tiger Williams. Tiger, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it, and uh, we thought uh, we thought of you first, man. When it when it uh, when it comes to maybe summarizing uh, what the weekend has been for you, your teammates, and uh, seeing the great Borea Salming. Well, Kip, thanks for having me, and Bernie. Now, Kip, you know that I've known Bob, I've known Bernie since he was a little guy in diapers. <laughs> so uh, uh, he's been a wonderful man. Anyway. Uh, no, it was, uh, you know, you know, I don't know how many uh, gallons of tears come out, but the good news is, and there's always a positive uh, situation, and, and no matter how bad the hurricane is, and the good news is we, because Boria had the fortitude to come over here and do all this, it made ALS out there again. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we haven't did, we've done a poor job of, of getting it out there. And, you know, Mark Curtin, one of our teammates, as everybody knows, played here in, in Toronto and in Vancouver, and I played with Mark in both places. He's really helped the whole situation out. But it, that, to me, is it, it's a wear out of this. Never mind, boy, he got to see his fans again and got to see his city again. But it was, it was a tough weekend. Yeah. Well, Tiger, it's uh, it's great to hear your voice again. It's been a long time, and I certainly have lots of memories of uh, hanging out with you when I was a little guy. So really cool to to have you on here today, man. We appreciate it. Um, yep. I, I, you know, I did want to get your uh, your take on on one of the things in watching the video. Um, you know, the the tribute before the game talked about how Boria had to, you know, I guess deal with the toughness of the North American game, people really putting them through it from being, you know, somewhat of a perceived outsider. You were as tough as they came ever in the NHL. I wonder if you guys ever had any conversations about that, about ways he could handle himself or what that experience would have been like for Borea as a Maple Leaf. We had that conversation, Borny, all the time. And I used to get very upset with him because I, I, especially on the road, he would let some of those meatballs absolutely run him. Yeah. He could have avoided it, but he'd say, ah, oh, Tiger, they can't, they can't hurt me. I said, Boria, <laughs> the problem is 
it's, it's going to be the one night you're in the, in the wrong position where your feet are and you're going to get hurt, and then I'm going to knock his head off, and then, you know, I'm not getting paid for a month. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I know I had to, I'm telling you, probably once every three games I had this friggin' conversation with him to not allow this BS because he could have went around the net and stopped up, right? Yeah. Especially if we were in Boston and Philly with those, uh, those, uh, you know. Animals. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, well, they sounded I mean like animals. It sounded like they were worked in the you know, hammer, working in a moose shop, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and you know, and you know it's, the thing is, for me, that was my job. Thank God Boria was on the team because and, and sitting in McDonald's, otherwise I would have had a job. But you know, the thing, my frustration that would get up because one of those guys would hammer him, and like actually one night. The hammer just absolutely drilled him. Well, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. But, you know, we went at it, but I don't know. We got all kind of tangled up there, and I bit the hammer on the end of the nose. I got a piece of his nose <laughs> Well, then that freaking league suspends me for three games. Like, bunch of BS. <clears throat> Tiger, is, is there any, like, we know the world is different. In so many ways, but would there any be, would there be any way that you could articulate how much Boria had to endure back then compared to today? Would you even attempt that conversation with a player today? Well, no, because they they would not understand it, and how would they understand it? But but I guess one way you can do that tip is that uh, you know. Boyer would block twenty shots a game. You know, yeah. Like, like, I mean, and none of the, none of the, the guys, and nothing against all the other demons on my team or any other team. But how do you then that Boyer invented the sliding of the block shot? Who did it before Boyer saw me? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, my buddy Jimmy McKenney and, and Brian Galani and Rod Steeling and. And who else? They never did that. Even even after Boyer said about to it, it just wasn't in our, our mindset, right? But uh, he was he was a friggin' warrior. He was an awesome guy. Um, um, you know, I had one of my spare jobs, another job that uh, that Karen gave me a, in the beginning, and then I uh, yelled at me and I had to do it again. Was that I had to make him up every time on the road because Boyer was always late. And in, and, 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 and come playoff time or serious time of, of, of doing a, a, when we were playing, I used to drive over this house. I had a kid in the city front door and then yell to make sure Margita had her clothes on. I didn't go get Barry out of bed and get him to practice. And so, and so you know, I've been around that dude a, a long time. Yeah, the uh, Tiger, the... You know, seeing you guys all together again is pretty cool. And, um, you know, I don't know how often you get together with everyone, but when you're with the guys in the alumni box and you guys are talking about, you know, the, the good old days, what do you guys talk about most? What are the memories that come up most frequently in conversation between you and your former teammates? Well, it's usually something that one of us did stupid. So usually I'm But it's talking about Sami again. I mean, when we, when they, when they took the bears down and the retired Freddies down out of uh, them, their Canada Center, uh, I 
Boy asked me to bring his sweater to Sweden, so I took it over there. So I've been involved with his afterlife. So I've been over to Sweden. I've been to his hometown of eight at his mom's place. So, but mainly we we usually talk about the stupid things, you know. <laughs> um, you know that you know like really, and then some of the younger guys might say, "No, really, didn't really have to bite him." <laughs> yeah. Hey, Tiger, um, just a shout-out for my childhood hero growing up, Daryl Sittler. Every bit the captain today of the Toronto Maple Leafs as he ever was in the mid-'70s. Well, I mean, this is his whole thing about the Salming. And there, there's 10 of them here. There's 10 other Salmings here. There's six kids, two wives, He's coordinated this whole frigging thing with him and, and, and the bear, Mike Fairman. Yes, Mike. Because we, Daryl and I and Lanny, we've been knowing this is going on for a year. And it, we had to hush on it until we got, we, we had to figure out what's going on. And before he really wanted to do this and really wanted to come and, and talk to Mark Curtin about you know, what we need. And so there's been a lot, a lot of logistics. And without the help of, uh, of, uh, of the ownership group here in Toronto and uh, another occupant. I don't know if this thing would have got pulled off, but Daryl was the glue between everybody again. And he always is. So the organization had a a big hand in trying to coordinate this and finance some of this and trying to make it happen for everyone. hundred percent. They, 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 they looked after everything. Typical, organization, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I played a five-team, so I got some experience. But that organization has done, in my, in, my, in my lifetime, since 1974, everything is done first class. They do not leave anybody behind. And so Mr. Tannenbottom and his whole group, but it will, thank God we got a guy like Brendan at the top so he understands how, how we got... Us guys that play this game, and both you guys play, we're very good at spelling the word us. And we hate, hate people that can spell the word me. Mm-hmm. Well said. That, really well so, said. Uh, they are, they, 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 they have a great way of doing the right thing, and they did that uh, this weekend. I, I just got one knock against them, Tiger. And they can't find a player like you. 15, <laughs> 20 goals, and a heart the size of a cow. And a mean one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more can get kicked in the head by a cow. But you know what? They're, they're hard to find. They're hard to find that guy. And you, you were in that group, too. You were in our fraternity, too. They're, they're just... They're just no, no, out there because everybody starts picking on them when they're twelve years old, you know, and uh, and you know it, it it it's just totally different. I mean, uh, the one thing that really uh, I think about that uh, you know when I'm in in those moves is like you know a lot of our money we get to to help out uh, um, a boring situation and all these things when we got to as, as players comes from the fine money or just suspension money. Uh, from the, the Players Association. Well, we're going to run out of money because none of these guys are getting suspended. So we've we got to have these training camps that us guys, you and Kip and I and who are Jimmy Mann and the, and, and, and the Hammer, 
and, and, and teach a little bit of this because you're not going to win with talent. And you ask Wayne Gretzky, why did they win so many? Ask Larry Robinson, why did they win? Because they got the talent and they got the character and the tough guys. And you've got to have one or two of them. Uh, so to me, a guy like Wilson that was playing in, in, in Washington, he's more important to me than any other guy you've got in your, in your lineup or just – or is just as potent as whoever you think is the most talented player. Because you're not going to win in the playoffs unless you have big balls. Well and you get big balls by having... <laughs> hey, we've enjoyed your character and your big cojones immensely on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Tiger, thanks for doing this. Have a great night, okay, with your buds. Thank you, buddy. See you, guys. Thanks, Tiger. Appreciate it, man. Tiger. Okay, see you, buddy. Yeah, be a good boy. Dave Tiger <laughs> Williams, one of the best in history. Yeah. I, I have such a vivid memory of him coming over to my house like eight or nine years old and coming over and, and just being like, I'm hungry. And I'm being like, Mommy, you know, get mac and cheese. Yeah, and he, yeah. I was like, I'll get some. He goes, you make it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nine years old making Tiger mac and I, cheese. I, I think that's the best new drop of the show. Borna, you be a good boy. <laughs> so I took a buddy to, uh, Friday night to the alumni box, and uh, Tiger came right over and started talking to us. And uh, he, he's like, it's, so, he's a 55-year-old man, just giddy like a school kid. Oh, yeah. You know, Tiger Williams. <laughs> yeah. And, Nothing's uh, changed with him. No. He, he is exactly as authentic as he's always been. Did you know that he bit? Did it? Did, that's crazy. Did that actually happen? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> pouring over the tapes oh, here I, trying I, to find I it. I a guy. You bit a guy? Oh, yeah. See, oh, my God. Thing, didn't the guy just bite a guy in the octagon, like, the other night? Like, you know, you got, you're in a fight, guys. And... Well, this guy was trying to gouge my eyes out. Yeah. What would you fingers, say? Right? <laughs> you do here. So, I mean, yeah. you're in survival mode. Green light. I think green light on that. It reminded me of an old Chris Farley line about, uh, I don't know, some... Anyway, I don't think I can say it. Today, you probably, like... Uh, with forensic being what it was, they'd match like cavities with <laughs> teeth you know, the, imprints teeth on imprint. the bit the tip of the nose off of a rival. <laughs> you know, I think they probably had a hunch it was Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with the animal's name for a first name, it might have been him that bit him. Yeah, he's just I talk about the the best hockey DV pages. I was just looking him up before the show, man. That is an all-timer. Give me a give me a run of years pims. Like okay. give me like a five-year stretch of pims if you can. Tiger. Tiger. Oh, yeah. Like three hundred pims in the season. Just shy of four thousand, I think. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Thirty-nine, sixty something. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, is that like he's scoring too, right? 15. Like he played 962 games, two hundred and forty-one goals. Wow. Yeah. Two forty ones. Yeah. And his, wow. be, his best year was, what, 25? Scored 35 with the Canucks. 35! Yeah. That's that this is This is remarkable. In 1980-81 with the Canucks, in 77 games, 35 goals, 27 assists, 62 points, 343 penalty minutes. <laughs> but that's, that's five large all day long right now for him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's the richest guy in the league. And he's also giving it all back to the league in suspensions, yeah. to his point. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like his theory that the uh, was it the NHL is going to go emergency fund is going to go broke because no one gets suspended anymore. That's a very good theory <laughs> for the good of the alums. Well, some guys need to be more his, violent. How about how about our, our bad boy now, Brad Marchand in uh, in Boston? Does he have a penalty minute? Oh, I don't know. Has he cleaned it right up? 
Take a look for me, Sammy. It's like you know who I think. I don't, I'm not sure. I like this church mouse. He's gone from a rat to a church don't, mouse. Is it the mouse that's in my house right now? Because I currently have. Oh one. boy, I know zero pims for Brad Marchand. For Brad Marchand through eight Old games. Old Marchie. Eight Eleven points games. in eight games, by the way. Eight games, no penalty minutes. Oh, is that fun? What else? Well, I can tell you from experience as a perennial, perennial Lady Bing candidate, it's okay. You get to play the whole game. <laughs> Well, you don't get the mandatory rest. Sorry, just one last thing on, on uh, Tiger Williams' hockey DB page. In his last year in Swift Current, 66 games, 52 goals, 56 assists, uh, 310 penalty minutes. How, how is there enough ice time? I don't know. I wonder how, like, did he make a bunch of money? How, how old is Tiger? 60, He's 68. 68. Yeah. So he never got paid paid no, then. No. But that's, Tiger did very well off the ice, I can tell you that. Oh, right yeah? Now. He should. Oh, yeah. Uh, oil's been fairly good to Tiger oh. over the years. Okay. That's what we well, like to hear in Western Canada. Love to hear it, yep. Shout out to his lovely wife, Brenda. Great people. You'd be a good boy now, Borny. You'd be a good boy now, Borny. <laughs> I got a friend who, uh, I got a friend who, uh, his family was very well connected and, and knew, like, Tiger and Daryl and mm. used to come over to his house every once in a while. And uh, Tiger found this shotgun Oh, that boy. was, like, used to, like, shoot, like, hippopotamuses and buffaloes, <laughs> right? Hippopotamus. Oh, yeah. Just, like, just, just not, yeah, yeah. Like, it was, a, it was a hunting gun. It yeah. was a hunting gun. Was it yeah. a bazooka? Yeah. It was like a bazooka. <laughs> Shoulder-mounted RPG. The story goes that maybe one of them on a, on a late night decided to, to use it. Oh. Oh, my God. And shot a streetlight. <laughs> Just obliterated it. Took out the power of the whole grid. What a beast. Listen, you're not far off. You're not far really? off. Significant and, uh, damage. It, it caused a little bit of a ruckus That's in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not saying uh, authorities were involved. Right. Because, you know, maybe by... By the time they got there, there's nobody around. Right. <laughs> right. Fair to say, right. But he likes his hunting. Yeah, I have, sure. yeah. He's a, he's a big game hunter. That's not surprising at all. All right, I'll probably get in trouble for maybe sharing that. Oh, uh, but can, no, it's okay. Uh, can, can you go back, you know, 40 years and... No. No, it's too late. I think late. the statute too, of limitations too late to arrest has, them for, has passed. For not having a permit? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. This, this is random, but I, yeah, you know what? I probably, let's just not do those stories. Right. Okay. Tiger shoots guns. We want to go back on, uh, we got a few minutes before we go to break yeah. on uh, thoughts on, okay, Matthews, Marner, Marner, Matthews. What do the numbers say? Uh, JB, they're nowhere near uh, the rate that they've been accustomed to producing. Yeah. Yet, uh, last time I looked, I think, uh, Marner's probably close to the top 10 in scoring, even though uh, he's a point or two out of the top 10, let's yeah. just say. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not great, but it's not completely horrible. No, I would say it's a matter of what your standard is for these two, which is best at their respective positions in the NHL has been established for them last season, and they're not there. And more than anything – their rates together compared to last year have significantly fallen off. So, you know, shots for uh, when they're on the ice together. Last year, they averaged 38. You know, it's all per 60 minutes. Uh, this year's 29. Like, that's a big drop for them. Uh, just simple stuff like goals for and against. Last year, they scored almost five goals uh, for per game. This year, it's 2.3. So together, they're just not doing as well. 
So split them up, get a different look. Do you have any uh, opposition to them being divided? Or a- okay, like, I mean, how many options do you have? It's flip them. Marner yeah. with Tavares and Willie with yeah. Austin. It's not there's not deal. much you can go past that. If you if you want to drop Nylander down on a few occasions, which we've already seen, yeah. that's always an option here. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got. 22 million between Tavares and and Matthews and they they got to produce and you put the best skilled player beside them. Yeah. It is funny that last year at this time almost the same thing happened where they said, "No, we hit a bit of a dry patch." They flipped up the lines. They went back to Matthews and Marner a week or two later and you know, they were together ever since. I just unless you think that one of the four guys can drive a line on their own, which I think it would be interesting to see if that could be Austin Matthews then you're stuck with two lines and there's only so many configurations because to your yeah. point, Matthews and Tavares well, are centers. And But could Matthews again, do it with if, Kerfoot if, and Bunting? If if we are, and I know I'm not digging up this whole conversation again, uh, but who are the two two now best playmakers on the Leafs? Uh, so Mitch and, I don't know, Matthews? No. Willie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like... I like Willie I, and I, Matthews together a lot more than I like Tavares and Marner together. I, I think mm-hmm. Willie is again giving you the impression that when he's out there, that he's he he's the one guy that has the skill to, you know, uh, yeah, when a he's regroup, gone, he's gone, come right? through the neutral zone, skate the puck mm-hmm. in, spin, turn, find trailers. That's Mitch. Yep. But that's not necessarily Tavares or. Or Austin, right? They're driving hard to the net and they're shooting when they can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Willie, Willie to me has made a lot of strides. I see a, a lot more consistency in him. Is yeah, it where he's not is been where, bad at all? Is it at where I'd stretch. like? No. Yeah. But he is. It is where it's going to be now. He, he, he can make this plays is it, for sure. Willie can make plays. He made a great pass to Matthews on a rush to Matthew and gave him the breakaway too. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the consistency because he hasn't had. And, like, you know, maybe it's common, you know, you pray it doesn't, but the stretch that the stretch we always talk about. Two assists him, over seven games or, it's or like, something. And you barely notice him. Like, yeah. he is, it seems like, I'd say 85% of shifts these days, he seems incredibly Better. engaged. Yeah. yeah. It's, There's still a bad one here and there. For sure. But for me, it's it's the playmaking ability. He doesn't want to turn the puck over. Mm-hmm. He's not, he won't uh, unless he's completely, you know, squeezed out. He's not a dump and chase guy. He wants to hold on to the puck. He wants to make plays. Yeah. He wants to twist and turn, find trailers. Uh, Mitch is the same way. So Tavares and, and Austin need those two guys in yeah. the worst way. Willie's so strong. You know, like there's just, I'm not saying he's like, he pushes anyone around. He's just so strong on his skates, his edges. He can, pe- people can lean on him now. And I don't know that that was always the case yeah. or he wasn't as confident that he could handle it maybe. Yeah, he's looked really good. Yeah. And so I, I like, like I said, I like him and Matthews together more than, I don't know. It just, uh, I, I have a tough time with Marner and Matthew, uh, Marner and Tavares together because they had so much success. Yeah. But you know what? They haven't since that no, year. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like everyone look, they look back at that year and they're like, oh, well, they had chemistry that one year. And it's like, well, that was, that was kind of like, what was that? Four years ago? Yeah. Now? Three yeah. years ago? That's a Legit while ago. Four years ago. So I, I, I think eventually we're going to get back to just being Matthews and Marner here. Like when the games get meaningful, you don't you think they'll put them back together? Tough to see anything but. Yeah. It really is. Well, and listen, I don't know. It's 
Austin on pace for? 35, 40 goals? Yeah. Yeah, around there. Uh, He's got seven goals, seven Sammy, goals in. Yes. On your, uh, on your disappointed meter, mm-hmm. where would 35 to 40 goals for Austin be at the end of the year for you? Well, I would believe I predicted on the start of the show that he would not have 50 goals this year. Didn't I say he would 48 or 49? I don't know. No chance. What do you think? Don Cherry, yeah. let's go to the tape now, guy. <laughs> no, I'm wrong all the Thanks time. So uh, when there's one time that I may Hang have a chance it, yeah. to be right. And we're denying it on no, camera, and, even if you, yeah. like, nailed no, it. No, but no, I, listen, I wouldn't care. If they, like, if they win a couple of playoff well, rounds, I don't that's give a the bottom line. I don't care. Is that he could. He could score 20 and they could, win two playoff rounds and be happy. I don't he, care. He, he could. Uh, well, does he, he get have He could have what is perceived as the worst regular season and a disappointing one, and then just catch on fire in the playoffs. For sure. That's the type of so, talent Do you is. not think that him with Kerfoot and Bunting, and then you, you leave all the other pieces to form another couple of lines would, would be fine for them? Like, could he not do it? Make that line? No, and, I don't think so. No? No, I think... Just he, think the way Crosby think, and McDavid have driven help. lines? I, I think he needs... Uh, I'm, See, I'm I don't. Sure. I don't agree. Short term, I don't know. We do maybe, not agree. Maybe, but who's going to get the puck for Austin, and who's going to feed him? Yeah, I mean, listen. I think Bunting's pretty good vision wise. Kerfoot's not a finisher, but I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see them give just some different. So a Bunting try. and Kerfoot are yeah. going to come up with loose pucks yeah. uh, below the hash marks, while Austin's waiting for the puck uh, to to shoot it up high. I don't envision I, I just, that at what, all. What's different than the current line, Kip? Bunting and so right does Marner go get yes. that many more yeah, pucks than yeah, Bunting and Kerfoot? Yeah, he does, and he spins off guys and he he feeds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, he's a, I'm not saying he's not better at that. I'm sure he is, but if you're going to be this much worse in this one category, and you can put give Mitch Marner to a lower line, I don't know, just some way to reconfigure this here. So, by the way, just before we go to break, I went back and looked at the Pittsburgh records mm-hmm. for the Leafs. Uh, in Mellon Arena, where they played 79 games, they were 32 and 40 for a 449 uh, uh, winning percentage. And at the current PPJ, PPG Paints Uh-oh. Arena, they've played 17 games. They've won five of them. Uh, yeah, 47 goals for 65 against. Not okay. great record there. No. So just That's wanted to bring that up. Experience of Matt Murray going in there and pitching a and, shutout. Uh, this one's before my time, I guess. The. What's it? Starts with a D. Du, Duganese Gardens for the Pittsburgh? No idea. Ever heard yeah, that you're before? You're on your own on that one. Okay. <laughs> well, they didn't win much there either. So. All right. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Kristen Shilton, uh, NHL reporter for ESPN, is going to join us after the break, and we'll get her thoughts on uh, the Leafs' second in the Atlantic Division. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Back after these messages. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, our next guest. We've been trying forever to get on the show. Kristen Shelton. Uh, but you know, Sammy's got to go through her people, and her people got to talk to other people, and finally we got her. Is that the way it went down, <laughs> Kristen? 
That was exactly it. I mean, there's so many layers to this puzzle. It's just like you guys. I, but you know what? Hey, we finally, we finally found our moment, and I'm happy about it. Good. I'm glad, and you've got this great new gig. You know, we've loved you here in Canada, TSN, and you, you left us all for the big bucks and the exchange rate. That's, that's <laughs> how it went down, wasn't it? Uh, you've just you're revealing all my secrets here. And it's only been like 45 seconds. I mean, come on now, man. Well, you're doing a something. terrific job, and we're we're glad you're with us. And uh, Thank you. you know, um, for your part, uh, we know you're with ESPN now. But uh, tell us where your the majority of your focus is. Is it still? Uh, you know, we know we know you know the Toronto Maple Leafs well. But uh, your first thoughts on maybe uh, what you've been able to see uh, out of the Leafs or, or around the league uh, to start this season. Yeah, I mean, still being based in Toronto, uh, obviously, I, I do see a lot of the Maple Leafs, see a lot of uh, what's going on there, and clearly a, a bit of a day for them news-wise with uh, the Muslin, uh, you know, what's happening with him and Kyle Dubas speaking, and you see now the depth of this team being tested, and that's really started to be a theme just throughout the entire league early on. You see Patrick Lyonet today, he's going to be out now three to four weeks, and oh, with everything happening in Columbus right now, uh, that's just the worst case scenario for them. They've had so many injuries, uh, and you're really seeing these these teams where depth is just so so critical at the best of times. And this seems to be, and maybe it is just you know it's recency bias, but it really does feel like a lot of teams are digging. You know, they're going to the well early, and they're trying to uh, piece together uh, some of these these areas where. You know, guys are just, they're going down and, and you're you're trying to, uh, you know, to almost reassess some of these preseason predictions that we had for some of these teams that we thought would be risers. Look what's happening with Thomas Shabbat, even in Ottawa. He's out mm. with concussion. Ottawa's struggling now at the bottom of the division. So that's been a big thing for me early around the league is just how quickly some of these major injuries have been piling up and where teams now that we projected were maybe going to be stronger than they are you know how do you, they how do you recover and we're coming up on american thanksgiving that's always a a big marker in the league of who's gonna you know be in the playoff picture who isn't so uh drama everywhere but certainly uh toronto today uh right in the mix with uh, brody out now and you're putting a lot of pressure on Rasmus sandin and timothy Lilligren to uh step up here for sure kristen do you think the market uh, makes it seem like things are worse here or more exaggerated sometimes. Like, I just wonder, you know, we've heard about the coach being on the hot seat and where's Kyle Dubas and contracts and all that. Does it, in your experience being around other NHL teams in this market, do they, is it the same problems here as everywhere else or is it really just a bigger soap opera in Toronto? Well, I think the uh, theatrics in Toronto just get more attention than maybe they do elsewhere. But I do think it's, it's also just that Toronto is held to, I think this standard of will the experiment work of paying a handful of players a lot of money to get you where you want to go? Is this going to be the way? And when it happened originally, when, um, you know, Duba sort of made those decisions, you, it was sort of, at the time, it almost seemed novel that he was, he was going to do this and have these great players, these great offensive players uh, leading the way. And then now you see sort of down the line, is that you know you haven't gotten over the the humps that you wanted to, and now when your defensive depth, for example, is being tested the way it is, have you not had the right resources to allocate to that position? And is that why 
now you are where you are or whether it's goaltending or you know whatever it is at least they don't really have a great deal of of goaltending depth either but your resources obviously are wrapped up elsewhere and there's a pandemic and there was a flap cap etc but i do think that the um the leafs are almost this experiment that the rest of the league likes to point to and sometimes they like to point and laugh at it and sometimes like to point at it and say how great it is but one way or another, no one is neutral about Toronto. And no one is, you know, and that's, that's the thing is that you either love what they're trying to do, you love the the competitive, aggressive, you know, nature of, of just this whole hockey market, or you just think, oh, they get so much attention and they're not even doing anything and they can't win. And, um, you know, there's there's that side of it too. So uh, certainly in other markets, the, the conversations happen the same. I think they happen at a lower decibel. And I think that they happen perhaps um, not co- with quite so much um, – uh, expediency in the sense that people want change here right away. It's like, okay, we've had, you know, we've just watched this team lose three games in a row. So Sheldon Keith, you're done. Let's get the next coach. Where is he? Let's, you know, let's find Barry Trotz. Let's get him out here. There's, there's no small swings in Toronto. There are only big, big, big swings for better or worse. And I think that's why everybody loves it. We're joined by Kristen Chilton, ESPN's uh, NHL reporter. Uh, I think you nailed it. Absolutely. So, um, and it goes back to what we had started our conversation on is they're second in the Atlantic division. Uh, they have a record of eight, five and three, all those things that say that the, the glass is half full. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're only 500. They've won eight out of 16 games here. And, uh, there are some issues on the back end and, uh, we're not sure where the goaltending is. And, uh, Maybe it's half empty. So I'll ask you, Kristen, where are they in your mind? Where Where is the glass? You know, I I think about that as it really depends what this next stretch looks like for them. I think that's going to tell you whether it's half empty or half full because this is going to be, at least for this season, um, you know, this is going to be their biggest stretch in terms of like a test for them you get Matt Murray back Sheldon Keith said tomorrow in Pittsburgh so that's a boost you're hoping he's gonna round back into form and be that guy that he was in Pittsburgh at one point um and but and that's one thing that's good but you're a 500 team and it's just hard when that's your roller coaster every there's no real wiggle room every game feels like it matters so much there's so much pressure on the outcome and I think we saw a bit of that in the Vancouver game where you get down to nothing and all of a sudden everybody's looking at each other on the bench like, is this happening? Like, is this where we're, where we're at after this emotional ceremony for one of the greatest, toughest players in our franchise's history, the league's history, and we're coming out like this and this is how it's, you know, you just it gets in your head when you're in that average space of you're not – you haven't shown great yet, but you're not bad. So you're just there and every game feels weight down and you're just, you know, you're in the mud a little bit, your tires are spinning and it just, the confidence needs to come for this team. Now, Yes, you can call Kyle Dubas a cockeyed optimist today saying, hey, you know, I like that we're getting through these adversity stages right now. I think it's great. It shows you what guys are made of. He's not wrong. And in this, in that sense, you do get to know what the character of your team is. And before you start calling other GMs and making changes and messing with chemistry, find out what you have in the people in your room, not just what they do on the ice, but find out how they handle this stretch mentally. 
because you've got some, you know, you've got Pittsburgh tomorrow. You come home for a couple of games. You've got a red hot Devils team coming in here that has faced adversity really well. You could take a couple notes from them on how to do it. And then you're going out on another road trip and you're going to have some big games there as well uh, against some opponents that you don't see a lot. And then I think you're back in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, and, or you're back against Pittsburgh. So it's, it's, there's a sense now for me that these next couple of weeks with the defensive challenges, with Murray coming back, with this team being middle of the pack so far, this is where you show, are we up for it or aren't we? And if they show they're up for it, that's going to influence what Dubas does. And if they show they're not up for it, well, that's really going to influence what he does. But if you stand pat and just give them a little space, give them some room to accept the situation as it is and rise to it or not, I think that's where you're going to see, is this an average team or is this the above average team that we expected going into this season? So a critical stretch, you got some home, some away, uh, and and definitely some some issues that they're going to have to combat well or not so well. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think that's a great point and one that Dubas, you know, had made and you're alluding to there about giving them time, seeing what you got. I guess the question with the goaltending and Matt Murray is what sort of assessment do you need to give or do you need to have before you make a move, before you say, okay, this guy is not the guy for us. He's coming back from injury. Like if you need to see him play I don't know how many games, 10 games is enough. Do you, what sort of assessment period would make you comfortable with this Leafs team and their goaltending to say, this is going to work, this is good enough before heading into a postseason or a post-trade deadline where you might need some help at that position? <laughs> and don't yeah. say last week of April. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And this is the thing. Matt Murray, he's a veteran goaltender. He's been through injuries. He knows about the rehab process. He knows about coming back. The Leafs obviously did their homework to whatever degree before they made the decision to sign him. They have probably assessed how did he come back from injury? What sort of window has he needed in order to round back into form in previous times? So I think you're looking at a pretty short leash here though. You you have to for this goaltending because there's not great options behind him and Sansonov. And that's nothing against what Eric Shalgren has done. Shalgren gave them a chance. Every, like he has absolutely done everything that could be asked of him. But for a team that wants to truly compete, you can't waste time giving, you know, Matt Murray two weeks, three weeks, five, six starts to be like, okay, you know, you can ease in. You can't have him giving up critical goals and then you're losing because you've got a defense now that's depleted. You've got young guys back there that are on their own now because there's not enough veterans anymore to protect them. So you, you've got to say to Murray, hey, you know, a game or two, sure, you, you need to ease in. We can do our best to cover for you. But then you, you've got to show why we made the investment and we did that we did in bringing you here, why we gave you that number one mantle. We need you to be the number one guy. And he hasn't been out that long. That's the other thing. It's not as if he's, he's missed three, four months here. It's only been a few weeks. So uh, he's been able to skate. He's been back on the ice. I think there's a pretty short assessment period here because there has to be, you have no wiggle room on the defensive end right now. Absolutely. But also with goaltending, 
everybody knows that's what has to be there. I mean, don't let the Colorado Avalanche fool you and think that, you know, just because you didn't have necessarily the greatest gold ending that you can always win a championship that way. It's not always the case because um, not everybody's got Kale McCarr, certainly on their back end. So you really have to say to Murray, we need to see your best here in short order. And if you can't get that or you feel like you're not getting that, then you uh, you know you have to really start scouring the market, and I don't know how many great options would be out there. And certainly with the lease cap constraints and their contract constraints, what you would do in that situation. But that's why you know Kyle Davis makes the big bucks. Is he's got to be the one to make the call, and he's got to be the one to make the right one. Well, one more for me, Kristen. And uh, speaking of uh, Kyle, uh, we heard him today, and. I don't know. Would we declare that a vote of confidence for Sheldon today? Yeah, sure. Sounds like one. It, would we? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a, as good a, a vote as I think you can give, and that's for all the reasons that we've discussed with just where the team is at. I mean, the team is a reflection of its coach too, and if you're an average team, then is your coaching average too? Is that what you have to say as well? And we say average because 500 is pretty average. Um, And there's definitely more that I think this Leafs team can be. I I don't think that they are just a 500 group. I I wouldn't look at them and think that's the talent that they have. And I think that Keith has been a strong coach in his time uh, with Toronto. And that's what needs, that's where the synergy has to be. It's the coach getting the most out of his players. And if Dubis, you know, kind of said that today that he thinks that there's the right voice there and that the guys are paying attention to it. And, and that's, um, you know, it's, a, it was about the best that you could say without being over the top because Dubas knows that we all know the relationship, obviously that if he goes over the top being like, I think he's done such a great job. He's been he's like, it's not going to feel genuine. But you also don't want to be, you know, putting any thought out there that you're, you know, thinking that he doesn't have your support. So I think you towed the line well. It was enough of a, hey, thumbs up. We could call it a the thumb and a half. Maybe not full two, but <laughs> it, was a, it was a thumb and a half. We, and maybe he can earn the other half. We, we threw out this uh, uh, question out, and I want to just throw it out to you real quickly. Are, are we... Uh, Two losses this week away from, um, you know what, hitting the fan again here? Oh, man, two losses this week, yeah. Oh, gosh, I think, well, they've got three games. So if they can get two, if they could get two out of three, it'd be a heck of a lot better. But, oh, you, you go into Pittsburgh and you lose after what happened here on Friday. That's tough. And then Jersey. Yes. Uh, and it's tough week. Uh, in Buffalo, Buffalo, of course, is is in a skid. But if if anyone, it always feels like if anyone's in a skid, they come to Toronto and suddenly turn on the Jets. So I guess we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, two losses this week, that'd be a tough one to swallow, certainly. Well, listen, we've uh, really enjoyed having you on. You're doing a terrific job at uh, ESPN, and uh, please, uh, you're welcome here anytime. Okay. Absolutely. Get well, your thanks people, for having me. Get, get your people to give Sammy the green light here. That's I'll all. get them the direct line. Yeah, Thank you. Not to worry. Kristen <laughs> thanks, Schultz. guys. Kristen. ESPN. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Sammy. What was the official uh, Leaf record in Pittsburgh? There was the the old Mellon Arena. Yeah, it was bad. So I love this kind of stuff. I've just been looking up the where they played all these different years and what they're. The records are or whatever but i'm just picking up pittsburgh here give me a second yeah i said it was at ppg ppg paints arena which is their newest frank they've only played there 17 times and they've won five of them so five yeah mm-hmm. so it's a it's a tough game
Tuesday. would say the Penguins typically haven't been a sub-500 team or whatever they are right now. Hopefully that gives them a little and help. And then coming home to play what we think at least in the first, what, uh, 15, 17 games? Yeah. The fastest team in the NHL? Yeah, I'm just, no. I'm just I'm literally like, just pulling up the... I'm, uh, I'm watching New Jersey going to Edmonton. I think they were up a goal, and then I, I think I went to the refrigerator, and they were down a goal. Yeah. <laughs> and but, they got, like, uh, Hughes and Hisher and Bratt. Yeah, man. They're Split in, in the middle at most nights. This is the uh, the sport logic chart. And the, the farther you are this way, the less goals you give up. Best defensive team in the NHL, Devils. Farther you are this way, best offensive team, Devils. Best, best, best. Okay. But is that good? So they're pretty good. When you suck, you <laughs> suck, you suck, you suck, you draft. Yeah. You suck, you draft. It's about time. They're Eventually, that, it, did, it did, turns. Didn't the Oilers pick... First four times in six years. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess they went to the Western Conference Final last year. Well, we, we're not. We're not giving any trophies to New Jersey no. just yet. No, no, no. That's um, true. Just quickly here, Leafs didn't have a lot of success at Boston Gardens. No, seventy-seven and one forty-six. They're not playing Boston this week. Why do you bring this up now? Because <laughs> I just I'm on the page and it jumped out to me. <laughs> because we don't need interest. We seventy-seven need, and one forty-six. We don't need oh, you to feel oh. not great. We don't need you to make yourself feel any worse. They don't play at the Boston Garden anymore, so it's okay. But that was the old rink. Not yeah, great. that was bad. Yeah, that's bad. So, um, yeah, and the Devils fans. Sorry, Lindy. Love that. That was a great chant. You know, they they chanted "Fire Lindy." What I don't know, two, two weeks ago. Yeah, two games. No, it was like it was like a couple games in. Was it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, they had a slow start. Now the Devils are twelve and three in fifteen yeah. games. Eight hundred winning percentage. Yeah. For the sorry, or no, it's he's fine now. Well. They dropped six in a row, and they're not sorry, Lindy. But you're watching them play. If you're a fan of the team, you're watching them oh, play. Listen, I, I, you're I watching them kick the crap out of teams every night. They're buzzing. I think he's doing a great job. They're buzzing. No question. And there's a lot of guys out there doing a very good job. I was telling Kipper this story. I have a quick Lindy Ruff story I got to throw in there. Uh, Clark Gillies was once asked to... Some of the alumni were given the opportunity to apply for the head coaching job. They're looking to get the alumni back involved. Clark had Lindy fill out his form, his, like, paperwork, answer the questions, what systems would you use. Lindy was the coach of the Sabres at the time. Oh and my. so the Islanders saw Clark's submission. They were like, this is out of this world. This guy knows his stuff. <laughs> They called him in for an interview to be the head coach of the Islanders. And he's like, I didn't do that. (laughs) 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 Coffee Lindy's homework. That's incredible. incredible. But no, so the Islanders like Lindy once upon a time too. Not cheating. You're not trying. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Uh, But if you look around the league right now and you're like, you know, Luke Richardson, done a hell of a job in Chicago. You can tell. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing. Well, same with torts. Like these, those teams are playing. Crazy. They're reinvigorated. Six, five, and three, but they look, they look like they're they're well coached. Well, they were supposed to be one of the teams that were in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Well, the Habs. And they may be, but the Habs are legitimately above five hundred. Yeah. Playing hard. Coaching matters. It does. But there's also that new coach bump where everyone's vying for attention, okay. ice and, time. And, yeah, you're right. And just expand that. Just. Like zero expectations. You're yeah. playing with house money. Yeah. It's like it's a big difference. It's, and it's a big difference for, for everyone and their they, individual careers. You know, just to go back to Jack Campbell this time last year, 
He was just given the opportunity without anybody knowing anything about him. Yeah, anything you do is a bonus. Now, like think about him going to Edmonton with $25 million contract, yeah. and there's like a ton of expectations. And now that's, think about this for a second. That's new to him. Mm-hmm. That's a new experience for him yep. to do what he did last year for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but with a five-year, $5 million commitment here. So that is, that, that's a new experience for him, and it hasn't gone the way he, he'd like, yep. but it changes. It, it changes yeah. everything. It does. Can, it, I, it, can it, I say I have an announcement to make? Sure. On the Real Kipper and Bourne show? Let's have it. Uh-oh. I officially feel awful for Jack Campbell. <laughs> Thank you. No, yeah. I saw I saw the one where he shot it up the middle and the guy shot it in the net and he put his head in his hands and I was like, oh, good yeah. God. I yeah. can't cheer for this anymore. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Now it's, it's not it's, fun to cheer no, against no, him. It's, it's dark now. Yeah, now the puppy's limping yeah, and it's, it's like, like, oh. my God. Yeah, he, he, I, I officially feel bad he for will him. Find, he, he will find his place, you know, and yeah. I don't even know if it's going to be good enough. You look at that blue line and you're like, uh, They oh. stink. Their defense right? is bad. It's bad. Bad decor. So I don't know. He could, could still look like it's, you know, him as being an issue when it might not be. No, but he's, he's going to get better. He's going to find his place. He's a competitor. Yeah. He's hit high levels before here, and he's just got to manage everything uh, going between his ears right now. Picking through the numbers, it's one of the hardest places to be a goalie. Like rush chances, high danger chances. Like it's been a tough and, spot for him, and he hasn't excelled but and to add to the pain of him i watched that game on saturday afternoon against the cats and i Stu skinner in the first period just was unbelievable yeah, yeah. the kid made what do you yeah. make 14 or 15 saves know, in the first 15 period? shots he in was, the first 12 minutes he was unbelievable and he played great and he was one of the main reasons they won that game and it's just like not only are you playing like dog do Mm-hmm. You went to a new place, took this massive contract. The kid who makes nothing, who no one expected anything, is going in there and out playing. Easy to love that kid. You're not the beloved oh kid anymore. No. I will say one thing that, you know, to your point about expectations, one of the hardest things is going from being a rebuilding team who is getting excited about turning around. We have Tage Thompson and we have all these exciting young players to being like, you got to win now, though. Yeah. You know, to, to be like, okay, you know, now you're not a garbage team anymore. Now it, now it's different. And I think you see that, um, you know, teams struggle once they have to find the next gear. They can get back. You draft high enough, long enough, you can just kind of work your way up. But okay, yeah. now get out of the middle and of the pack. Buffalo's, now, Buffalo's experienced that. Well, they lost five or six in a row now. Yeah, five straight losses for the Sabres. You know, seven wins and 15 tries. Coming Bye. down to earth a little bit. Yeah. Tage still looks good, though. I will say. Still got. Tage Toms. Tage Lemieux is not oversold. He is unbelievable. Yeah, my Sabres are sliding a little bit right now. Lost five. (laughs) Five straight. I don't care. That's just the least loss of five straight (laughs) for seven and eight. I cannot believe a guy six foot seven can cut backhand, forehand like that. I can't believe he did it from a stop. He was in the D zone stopped. And he started skating and weaved through everyone. It's unbelievable. Did you see. He's going to win a rocket Richard one day. Did you see the. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, no, Tage Thompson. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm here for the take. I love it. The, ta- the Tage Thompson, Patrice Bergeron exchange at center ice. No. Yeah, uh, kind of gave him the old yeah, uh, like, passing the torch kind like of tap. He, he gave him like a little tap on the chest and put, gave him the shin pad thing and said something to him at center ice, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're my kid's uh, he, favorite player. He knighted that, him. That kind of thing. Yeah. God, Patrice Bergeron just such a stud. No, no. Like, 
14 out of 16 wins for Boston. Like, come on, who Terrible. saw that? Nobody. Everyone had and them as the fourth best team in the Atlantic. Do you see the way they move the puck? Snapping it. Yeah. Do you see how they can go east-west? And the movement that you see out of them is unlike you see almost on every team. You know, Krejci and Hall for Pasternak have been an awesome pairing. Like, you know, they are, to your point, I mean, they look, they're elite moving the puck around. And they all, you know, a couple of them skate really well anyway. So they're a plus 30 goal differential through 16 games in the season. Yeah, most teams in the league won't touch that this season. Four in a row they've won and they're, they're just humming. So let me ask you this. Is there... Is it going to come back to earth for them, or are they weren't one of the it's two the best NHL teams? It's the NHL now. It's the NHL. There's, there's always going to be. Because uh, I don't think they're as good as their rosters as good as this. The way they're playing. Well, uh, listen, honestly, who's going to remember? Who's going to care? Fourteen and two in November, like February and March rolls around. They could have some injury issues. They can hit. Yeah. Lulls. No roster but now they can is play ever okay. perfect ever again. Well, now. not the salary cap, but they can play okay. They can play 500 hockey the rest of the year and make playoffs going away when you start like that. Can the Leafs play that 500 hockey the rest of the way and Absolutely make the playoffs? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's a real blessing for the Leafs that the division looks the way it does right now. Tampa and Florida are struggling. Every, everyone, like it seems like everyone's scuffling. It's no Florida. Uh, Laura's not the, very the good. trade's not looking very good right I now. I tell you, I said I called that from the okay. top of the year. For both teams, it's not looking very good. Huberto had what five points yeah. in ten games, dash five. Now he's hurt. Like Kachuk still makes an impact though, man. Kachuk's unbelievable. Player. But but he cannot. Uh, I don't know if that roster is deep enough. Outside of you know what he brings every night. Well, their D are not deep enough. Full stop. No. I mean, they're not. No, they're not. D's not very good. So I don't see how they're going to be any different than previous right. years. Uh, I don't strike our panel as real, like, hot take, Hall of Fame mm. uh, debates or issues. But we want to talk a little bit about, I think, uh, you know, what seems to kind of be now is projecting uh, this generation's future Hall of Famers. So mm-hmm. let's start here in Toronto. Is Hot take Ryu alert. At this moment, absolutely uh, giving it the, the real Kipper and Bourne guarantee uh, that a guy like Matthews and Marner will be Hall of Famers yes. one day? Yes, they will be. 100% both I mean, locks. They both came in as young, young, young. They're one, you know, above a point per game guys. They're in Toronto, heart trophies. Yes, they're Hall of Famers. Yeah, I'm not sure. What? <laughs> I, I, I don't know in terms of uh, where the new standard is, but it used to be that you were almost guaranteed 1,000 points, 1,000 games. Yeah. And that, that, that bar is gone now. And I don't know where it well, is. Well, they're going to get to those numbers. They, absolutely they will. Yeah. But so has Pierre Turgeon. So has... Jeremy Roenick. Yeah. And so is uh, uh, Matthew's dad, Keith Kachuk. Yeah. And Kachuk should be in. They're not in. You know, they're not in. Rod Brindamore. Rod Brindamore was one of the best defensive players. Even two Selkie trophies had 1,200 points. Put him in. If uh, Matthews and and Marner are going to go down that type of path, and what have they been in the league now? Six years? 
Yeah, six and seven or something. Like that. Can't get out of the first round, boys. That's a big deal. Do you want, do you want me to be this guy right now? Yeah, be that guy. Okay. Well, this year's inductees are Sedin, yeah. Sedin, Luongo, Alfredson. Yeah. Combined for zero cups. Yeah. So and, and, and there there's some people with issues on that. Okay. Yeah, there are. It depends if that's a measure. Quickly, and there's I'm, I'm going to ask precedent. you this real quick. Yep. And you got to tell me right away. Okay. Hey, okay, which which Sedin won the MVP? Henrik. <laughs> Henrik, yeah. That was pretty good. Henrik, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a, there's a ton <laughs> of people. Got a, chance. No, you didn't. Did, did you guess? I knew. I, oh, okay, right. I have to steal one of my good friend Brett Cunning's takes about Sundin, about the Sedins and Sundin, that it's like always been like if Matt Sundin had his brother Don Sundin on his line his whole life, twins, it'd be just like it's the same thing. You know, it's like they're they're off of each other. You know, without if they were by themselves, would they have been as good? But they, yeah, what is this alternate reality you've constructed? They had so, each other. MVP and international success, right? Mm-hmm. They won a gold medal in Sweden. That stuff matters yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. And listen, so, the Canucks were elite and, and President's Austin, Trophy winners. Austin, and, has, Austin has a rocket. By then, does he have four, five? That's a big did deal. Did they both win an Art Ross as well? I think they both, or they, they both won some major trophy anyway. Yeah, but, but you need that stuff. Mm-hmm. And... So like, then John Tavares is probably the next question. I John's not getting in. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. John's not getting in. Really? <laughs> Between now and what happens, is there a chance that uh he he can find himself in a Stanley Cup final or win the Stanley Cup? Uh get a con Smythe? Mm-hmm. That that could change things, but John is Pierre Turgeon. And Pierre Turgeon ain't in. So how do you put John Tavares in? Is John going to end up with 13, 1,400 points by the time his career's over? Yeah, so he's at, I was just curious to look, in 965 games, he's at 911 points. So he's almost a point per game. Is he going to get 400 more points, 300 more points in his career? It's possible, yeah. I I mean, he's 32. He's not 42. You know, he could play till he's... 36 at a point a game? That's, that's oh, going to be hard. Or he could play till 39 at 0.75 points per game or, you know, like it's... But it's, no no major awards. I, he's got a gold medal, I guess. But Do you remember Jamie Benn got like five points in the last day of the season to take an Art Ross from Tavares? That killed me as an he, Isles guy. To me, he is a... Exactly, Pierre Turgeon type of guy. And Pierre Turgeon had a hell of a career. Love Pierre Turgeon. Love him. Why is he not in? I, I guess, if I had to guess, I'm saying it's the missing elements of no team success and not a physical player. So he... Is that not John Tavares? Oh, well, I, yeah, I'm making your point for you. Thank you. Well, then how about the Phil Kessel debate that everyone likes to have? You know, I where I say what? definitely not, and Sam says definitely yes. Why? Uh, two Stanley Cups, the all-time two Ironman Two Stanley streak. Cups yeah. as a third-line winger? Oh, come on. He was, come on what? He was excellent. He yeah, was, he was excellent on the third line. Yeah, but HBK, you, you, baby. Go, you, 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 come on. I to it's me, not, Phil Kessel's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> why? Because he's got a consecutive streak record. I know that matters. I, like I, I know. Does he, he have any individual trophies? Can, can you go down the list of uh, the the consecutive no, streak I guys? I can't. But why? he's number one. I can. Yes, number one, Phil Kessel. Okay, and how, how many guys that have had huge? Consecutive game streaks are in the Hall of Fame. No idea because I don't know what the list is, but I'll look at it right now. Yeah, go go look it up. <laughs> I just I listen. 
with his resume, plus that, plus two cups in this generation to me, he's a Hall of Famer. What do you want from me? On this I don't know. <laughs> you don't hey, think why is I, that so crazy? You may be right. I think I am right. I don't see it. I know it's essential that we have that voice represented on our show because I know there's a lot of people who feel that way, even though you and I don't. Phil is 35. He has played uh, 1,220 games. He has 963 points. Okay, get out of here. I mean, because he's been a more or less a one-dimensional guy. He's been an offensive guy, and that those numbers aren't. It's .79 points per game. Is it the two Stanley Cups? Because I know a lot of guys that have won two Stanley Cups that aren't Hall of Famers. My dad has four. They didn't put him in. He led the playoffs in scoring one year. Is that good? Well, I'm putting your dad in now for sure over <laughs> Phil Castle. <laughs> well, How many games bad. did your dad get? In the NHL? Yeah. I, I think he was just short of 1,000. I think he was 980 or something like that. You got that don't list for me? Don't look at me, Kipper. You got that list for me? I got the list. You going to make me go through the list? Yeah, I am. All right, Phil Castle, number one. <laughs> Not okay. Locke. Keith Yandel, Doug no, Jarvis, no. Gary Younger. Is Gary Younger in? I don't know. Patrick Marlowe. Steve Larmer. Is Marlowe getting in? Yeah. 100%. Isn't he played the most games all time? What? what okay. <laughs> that matters, Kipper. He played not Helping your case. Why? Like, why Nick, is, why is he most play, games he played, matter I, that listen, much? I'm not, because someone goes, yeah, we'll take him. Kipper, I'm not... At the end of their career? <laughs> Joe Thornton should have shut it down maybe three years ago. I'm not Mr. Marlowe guy You're credit here. for those last three years games played? I'm not Mr. Marlowe guy. because Listen. he's a great playmaker and he's Listen. put together... Uh, I had a great run. Like He's one of the best passers in history. That's a reason to put him in. Yeah. Patrick Marlowe but played not because he played another three years. Come on. Because someone said, ah, let's give him 750. He'll come back and play for nothing. <laughs> I think games played and availability is a hugely important thing, but I, is, I get but your point that it's not. The, once you're over that that line right. and you've clearly made it. If you're Rod Brindamore, you're like, I didn't play enough games for you? What's Rod Brindamore got? All right, I told you I'm not very good at this conversation. I know. Uh, it's not It's not my thing either. It's not my strength. But Patrick Marlowe <laughs> played 1,779 games with 566 goals. Oh, my God. Yeah. Rod Brindamore played 1,500 games and has 1,200 points. And didn't he win a Stanley Cup and was yeah. a captain and a Celtic trophy? Like, Put him in. Steve Larmer. Yep. <clears throat> I, I, to me, that's a guy. That's mm -hmm. kind of a Hall of Fame kind of guy. Yeah. And he can't get a sniff either right now. Apparently. God, maybe you guys are right. That Ronix. You know? Maybe Phil's not getting in. Well, see, whether he's in or not, he's a guy who's in the conversation. He's I a love, fringe guy. I love, I love making Sammy. Hall of very good. Mind. I don't know. I, I go both ways in this now. Now I'm stuck. Let's <laughs> <laughs> end the show. Just end the show. Uh, Jeremy Roenick's got some big numbers. I know. What's he at? 1,300 or something points? Do you think there's anything to do with the fact that, like, you know, he's... Some people find him a little off-putting sometimes. That 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 would affect your Hall of Fame candidacy. If if people had really any idea of the lobbying an awesome guy. and the campaigning yeah. and the political angles oh, that people going in and out. who's pushing behind and who's got the support of this person and that influential person, that all comes into play. Yeah, there's you know. Okay, here's one for you. Like Paul Henderson, in or out. This is a debate that's before my time. I actually, I'm in on Paul Henderson Has being to be in. in. Yeah, I'm in on him because he is he is a figure in hockey history. How do you not? How do you put Trechak in and not Paul Henderson? Yeah, uh, Trechak's in for his international. Yeah. and mind you, come on, 
prior to like international success against NHLers, who really cared what Trechak did outside of what he did against NHL? That people? I don't know. I, I literally could not. I'm the worst qualified guy to have this take. Nursing one minute. Paul Henderson fight. changed the way we looked at international hockey with the best players in the world. 100%. He was a pioneer. Put him in. Yep. He is someone who has impacted the game in a meaningful way. He's a part of history. All right. Once again, we've solved nothing on this show. <laughs> yes. Phil Castle Hall of Famer. That's all I know. <laughs> you didn't win the debate, even if your point is right. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to nickname you Yo-Yo. From here on in. <laughs> nobody goes up and down like you. All right, everybody. Enjoy your class of 2022 tonight. Hockey Hall of Fame. We're back tomorrow. Real Kipper and Bourne. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.